Welcome to the Kupinger Kohl Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinbart. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinger Kohl Analysts. And we have a short chat uh, for about 15 minutes about a current topic. And my guest today for the first time is my colleague, Warwick Ashford, acting out of London. He is a an analyst working for Kupinger Kohl. Uh, hi, Warwick. Hi there, Matthias. Good to join you. Great to have you. A bit of an introduction. When, when I joined Kupinger Coal in 2015, I um, was working at EIC for Kupinger Coal as a moderator and, of course, as an analyst there as well. One of my first tasks was to moderate a discussion, a panel um, with lots of interesting industry partners. And the topic was how to kill the password. And that was 2015. Five years fast forward, there is still the password, and you have just provided a leadership brief how to get rid of the password. So how do we get rid of the password, work? Unfortunately, there's not a simple answer to that question. Uh, the good news is that uh, technologies have moved forward, and uh, basically the key to all of this is standards and uh, the uptake of standards. So what's happened in the meantime is uh, the FIDO2 project, which was a collaboration between the FIDO Alliance and the World Wide Web Consortium. And so now we've, we've got strong authentication for the web and FIDO2, the FIDO2 standard or specification is now kind of available in web browsers and that kind of thing. So it's a far more doable thing, much like AI, you know, we've been talking about about it for years, but we haven't had the technology. The technology hasn't been there to actually make it practical. And so now I think for the first time we can seriously talk about going passwordless. But uh, it's it's not quite as simple as just switching from one to the other. So most organizations will probably have to look at some sort of a transition from what they're doing now, which is uh, in the in the main, it seems to be generally very highly dependent on passwords to becoming less dependent on them and then finally uh, weaning off uh, completely. Okay, I think many of the audience that are listening to this episode are still using passwords and this is still rather common. But as you've mentioned, there there, there is already technology and there have been changes to technology that is available for you and me and for everybody who's listening right now already in place in the tools that they are using. So you mentioned the browser. There are mechanisms in place where you can be stronger with your authentication than with just passwords. Uh, yeah, this is right. So this is what we're, we're seeing now the emergence of uh, applications, also smart-based applications that work uh, and and use the FIDO2 protocol. So these are the kind of only uh, truly well, the passwordless things. So sort of short-term going passwordless means solving the challenge of enrollment and account reset or credential recovery without requiring a password. Uh, while at the same time deploying capacity to accept a wide variety of authenticators. So this is including biometrics, hardware tokens, and mobile devices. So this is where um, also modern devices help, like laptops and smartphones, where you've got built-in fingerprint readers and that sort of thing. Right. And when it is built in into the devices that you use anyways, I think that also is good for the level of acceptance um, from the user. So I think user experience when it comes to strong authentication is still an issue. Do you agree? Yes. User experience is vital. And, and this is one of the reasons that is blamed for the slow shift uh, away from passwords is that 
you know, people wanted to be quick, they wanted to be easy, they wanted to be familiar. So the password is familiar and, and there is a certain amount of resistance to moving away from that. And so anything that, that takes longer. So this is also the reason given for uh, multi-factor authentication is sort of one is a halfway house is kind of one way of moving away from reliance on passwords. But because traditional systems of, of MFA have been slower, users have resisted this and have not been so keen. But now, fortunately, because of the changes in the technology and the use of the standards, the availability of the standards, this can be a lot quicker. It can be just a question of pushing your, your, your thumbprint onto your, uh, onto your device and the authentication happens in the background. And uh, so it is a lot less friction. And so that's why, again, I think now we're at a point where it's becoming a lot more practical than ever before. Right. And I, th I think there is a move towards more secure authentication, at least for the more tech-savvy audience already in place. So you've mentioned multi-factor authentication. And I think one additional important aspect is also single sign-on. So reusing already well-authenticated credentials for using it in a different context. So if I, if I protect my Google account uh, with MFA and use Google to log in to a, another system just by using that account, that, of course, strengthens security immediately. Yeah, well, we know that eliminating passwords will improve, uh, well, it should improve the user experience because people forget them, they have to keep track of them, uh, it will reduce the cost, you won't have password resets, and as you've been saying or we've been discussing, it will increase the security. So I, I would also recommend in the meantime sort of a password managers at the very least, because this means you can have complex passwords, so although you're not going to be independent of them, you can have them complex passwords, they can be unique for each account, and they can be changed automatically. And actually, you mentioned EIC. I was at EIC a couple of years ago, and uh, somebody introduced me to a YubiKey. And I've been using a password manager using my YubiKey uh, ever since then. And, and that's basically changed my life because it means that I can have a unique password for every account. Um, I can change them automatically. And I don't have to remember anything except one master account and just keep my YubiKey in, in my wallet for the occasions where I have to authenticate. So like when I travel, it detects uh, you're in a new location. This could be a bit suspicious. Is it really you? I just plug in my YubiKey and it's done. As you say, single sign-on, this means you only have to remember one password, so you can then access all your applications and the data you need, uh, but all the security is happening in the background, uh, we, but it's not down to the user. And so you should be using multi-factor authentication, though, with password managers. So that's why I say I, I have uh, a YubiKey with my password manager and for single sign-on sites. So just to up the security there so that make sure that well, you're, not, you're less reliant on the password for the security. You have that uh, second or third factor if, if required. Okay, I, I learned today that, first of all, when we want to get rid of the password, we need to manage the existing ones adequately. That is what you said with a, with a password manager and protect that well. Um, you mentioned multi-factor authentication, and often that is achieved by, by software or, or mechanisms that are connected to mobile devices because they are uh, identified as already a second factor. You own it. So that is really something that adds to that as well. Uh, what else is there when people today want to 
to strengthen their security posture on the one hand or to increase um, the security in, an, in a corporate environment? What are additional um, aspects, additional technologies that they could look at right now? Well, of course, you've got uh, adaptive authentication where you can adjust the number of authentication factors according to the context. So this is kind of risk adaptive or dynamic authentication. So uh, if, if, as I said, there's a change in location or there's any other sort of change in normal behavior, you can step up. There's some sort of risk analysis goes on in the background, and then it can ask for additional uh, factors of, of authentication. So that's the adaptive authentication. Uh, also, continuous authentication. This is where you have periodic checks for the presence or proximity of uh, a, a card. Uh, also, analyzing uh, keystroke patterns. I was reading recently that uh, one of the UK banks has introduced this keystroke analysis technology for their um, transactions, their online transactions, so that it's continually checking, is this conforming to the profile of this user? And That's a great example of some frictionless way of authenticating someone. They're not having to do anything. They're not even aware that it's happening, but it is happening in the background. Uh, from a, we we're also talking about the change in technology. Uh, Microsoft has stepped up quite a bit, and so uh, they can use things like, uh, we can use things like Windows Hello, which is what, what I use every day. My computer just says, just checking that it's you, turns on the camera, does a quick facial recognition and, and then I can just get on with my work. So I don't have to remember a password there at all. And every now and again, if the, the lighting's not perfect or uh, perhaps if I've, I've not had a, a good night, it might not recognize me. So it says, okay, put in a pin. But again, that's fine because although this is not eliminating passwords, the pins stored in the TPM, which is the trusted platform module on the computer. So it's not, it can't be intercepted by anyone. So it just authenticates me to, to the machine. And then uh, that allows me into my, uh, into my accounts. And of course, we've mentioned the biometric metric authentication uh, already. Uh, although this technology is still sort of fairly immature and, and prone to error, um, so for biometrics to replace passwords, uh, supporting technologies will first have to address issues such as false acceptance rates, false rejection rates, um, integrity of samples, uh, the threat of associating a legitimate user's biometrics with an illegitimate user, and the threat of using things like photos and uh, 3D models to fool biometrics. At present, I think the iris scans score the best in terms of false acceptance or rejection rates and uniqueness and persistence and operational effectiveness. But in truly passwordless, we're limited to technologies. So short-term passwordless means solving the challenge, as I said earlier, of enrollment. Um, and so there are some suppliers who claim to be passwordless. Ask them how they've solved this issue. And, and find out with the, whether they truly passwordless or not. And one way of doing this is to deploy access management products that use SAML. Uh, that's the security assertion markup language. And to integrate a broad spectrum of authenticators into applications on the back end, plus enabling uh, passwordless enrollment and credential recovery, either by using hardware tokens uh, that comply with FIDO2 uh, or using single-use QR codes that can be sent to new employees. So you get a QR code, the company knows that you've accepted this, you just scan it, and then that authenticates you uh, to the system.
Another way of moving closer to becoming passwordless uh, for the enterprise is to switch to Azure Active Directory because um, also they've recently added support for FIDO2 there. So this means that users of uh, Azure Active Directory connected applications or services can immediately authenticate themselves using a FIDO2 compatible security device, such as the Microsoft Authenticator mobile app or Windows Hello that we've already uh, talked about. That is also a mechanism that I currently use already because whenever I log into my Office 365 account with a new device, then actually my, my watch um, tells me that I have to, to provide authentication and the watch knows me because I, I own this watch and it has realized that I'm still breathing or I have, I have a heartbeat and then I can just confirm the login process just on my watch or on my, on my phone. And that is really an additional level of security that really helps in yeah, making our company also more confident that data is accessed by the right people. So, so short term, you know, there are lots of ways of reducing reliance on passwords. But I think, you know, we've got to think longer term for uh, the password enterprise to be an option. And um, so that means standards, as, as I mentioned earlier, like the FIDO2 authentication standard, uh, also web auth n and uh, the OAuth standard need to be widely implemented in products and browsers to enable easy integration between authenticators and applications as well as passwordless enrollment and credential recovery which I was talking about earlier. Um, so therefore organizations should plan to gear up uh, to use FIDO and OAuth standards to integrate applications with a wide range of authenticators so for different user groups uh, within the enterprise. So what might suit someone who works on the road will not necessarily suit someone who works in the office, for example. Um, so this will address the issues of high implementation costs because that's that's what's also cited uh, as, a, as a reason for not going uh, passwordless is the, the high costs and lack of interoperability and poor user experience. So these standards will help address that. They'll make it easier and less expensive, basically. Right. And if I again recall that panel that I moderated in 2015, the summary or the result of this discussion was we cannot get rid of the password in the, in the near future, but we can make it less important and protect the, the user more diligently by adding additional factors. And I think that hasn't changed, right? Well, there are some, as I say, there are some suppliers who claim to be passwordless already, and they are using uh, all the things that we've mentioned above. So it's a question of finding out, you know, who these suppliers are, and then just asking them the right questions to find out, you know, how true is it? Because, you know, there are those who will claim it. But um, I have found one or two who, who look like they, they are genuine. So um, are they definitely worth, worth investigating? And as I say, they're all predicated on the standards that I, I mentioned. So it, it is theoretically possible to, to do it already. Okay. Usually, I, at, at that point of the, of the episode, I do a summary and uh, I, I sum up the recommendations. But I think that whole episode was a set of recommendations uh, for improving your password hygiene when still required. And you mentioned the password venture. Um, but also for individual home users, but also for the enterprise user to really uh, use these technologies. And if you're a deciding person within a, an organization to gear up, as you've mentioned, to go for a multi-factor authentication, to stronger authentication, all that is actually 
yeah, a set of, of, of highly recommended measures to take. Do you have anything to add to that that you would give our audience as a recommendation? Uh, well, we, what we haven't mentioned is that, you know, in, in addition to these standards, uh, there, there needs to be a shift from sort of front-end controls uh, that require users to prove their identity to using sort of more intelligent AI-supported back-end controls. So, for example, in the finance sector, I mentioned the bank earlier, that allow or block transactions based on, on risk analysis. So to prepare for a passwordless future, organizations should also consider switching to a services-based approach to identity and access management uh, using uh, APIs in a concept uh, of an identity fabric, which is about connecting users to services, systems, and data using decentralized identity rather than a password. So this approach moves away from the, the shared secrets approach, which uses passwords, pins, one-time passwords that are all stored in the enterprise, which is an attractive target for attackers and difficult and expensive to defend. So organizations need to consider a services-based approach to IAM to enable anyone to connect to anything using decentralized identities. So that, there you get passwords are replaced by PKI, which means users can connect to anything using a single smartphone app that connects to a service and uses a third-party identity provider, for example, rather than multiple authenticator apps. You don't want an authenticator app for, for this and an, another one for something else. You just want to be able to have a unified experience. And there are some suppliers out there who claim to be offering this experience. So... My advice is go out there, see what's available in the market and see if you can apply it because going passwordless today may just be an option. Of course, being an analyst company, I think, of course, um, those who are interested in getting an overview of the market, of course, can also go to kupingacole.com and find out more about the market segment when it comes to, to multi-factor authentication, to strong authentication, to adaptive authentication by reading our leadership compasses around that topics. They are available at our website. And um, I've mentioned um, earlier that you've written um, a leadership brief around that topic that we just discussed. That is available also on the website, right? Yeah, you just uh, look for passwordless future, I think, and you should get it. <laughs> Right. And so, so highly recommended. Thank you very much, Warwick, for, for being my guest today. That was really interesting. Um, and I think we should follow up on that topic um, also in an upcoming episode and more topics, of course, to come uh, together with you to get into more detail here as well. Thanks again for joining me, uh, Warwick. Bye-bye. And um, thank you very much. Only a pleasure. Bye for me too. <laughs>